Hello. 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 And welcome to Pioneers Post podcast. Social enterprise stories and conversations from across the world. Hello and welcome to the Pioneers Post podcast where we help you to do good business better. How to create and be part of an ethical supply chain? That's the question we're addressing today in the first of our 2021 Wise Ways to Lead webinars delivered by Pioneers Post and NatWest. The Wise 100 network connects women working in the impact space, enabling them to learn from and inspire each other, discover collaboration opportunities and ultimately increase their social impact. I'm Julie Pybus. I'm Global Editor at Pioneers Post. And as part of this two-part discussion, I'll be speaking to Joe Salter, founder of Ethical Brand, Where Does It Come From? And to Isha Kyogun Nushabadi, co-founder of Supply Change. But first, let's hear a few words from Julie Baker, who is Head of Enterprise and Climate Engagement at NatWest. Over to you, Julie. Thank you very much, Julie, and welcome on behalf of NatWest to the first of our Wise Ways to Lead events for 2021. At NatWest, the heart of our purpose is to champion enterprise, and we're extremely passionate about supporting those who face the additional barriers to entry, starting and growing their business, which is reflected in our work to provide tangible support to both females and social enterprises. It's imperative that we give support, particularly female entrepreneurs in the social sector too. Thank you all for joining us today. Please continue to support and encourage each other. And please speak to us if there is any way you feel that we could help in making a greater impact in your community. Thank you and back to you, Julie. Thank you, Julie. That was Julie Baker from NatWest. What we really love about this WISE group is the energy that we see when we bring them all together and the huge expertise that they all have. And this is what we wanted to draw upon in this webinar. So we're taking the opportunity to give the platform to some of our WISE women, to some of our experts in this network so that we can all benefit from their wisdom. This time we decided to focus on ethical supply chains, creating your own ethical supply chain as a social entrepreneur, as well as being part of an ethical supply chain for maybe a public or private sector organisation. And we were just talking before we went live that it seems that more and more people are becoming more aware of sourcing things ethically and, and where things come from. I was watching Dragon's Den last week and one of the many things that annoyed me in that episode, there's normally lots of things that annoy me, was one of the dragons holding up a product from an entrepreneur and saying to the entrepreneur, um, nine pounds, you should be sourcing that for much less. And there was no consideration of the impact of solely focusing on price rather than any of the other many things that we that we here in this room would all like to think should be taken into consideration when you're when you're doing purchasing like this. Yet outside of Dragon's Den, I think that conversations are beginning to change and people are taking more time to consider the impact of their purchases. So we think it's a great time to be a social entrepreneur and that there are opportunities to take advantage of. Joe founded award-winning ethical brand, Where Does It Come From in 2013, which has established ethical transparent supply chains in India and Africa. With its goal to create kind clothes that tell tales following no compromise ethics and sustainability criteria, the brand has been featured in major press and magazines. Joe says that Where Does It Come From is a truly innovative brand, the first in the UK and maybe wider field to add a code to garments so customers can trace the entire creation story. What's good for us today is that Jo is passionate about sharing her expertise with others to help them on their social enterprise journey. Her vision is that all businesses will be ethical businesses. 
thank you Julie and other Julie, Julie Baker. I just want to say a big thank you to you as well and to NatWest from Where Does It Come From because we're actually currently on the NatWest Climate Accelerator so there's been a lot of help and support coming to us as a social enterprise from NatWest so big thank you, opportunity to say a big thank you to you there as well. So as Julie says I'm the founder and CEO of Where Does It Come From which as its name suggests is all about tra transparency and traceability. We tell the stories behind the things that we create. Uh, we want to be absolutely clear about the whole story all the way through from the original um, fibers that go into our products all the way through delivery to our customers. What I'm going to cover in this uh, 25 minutes is really talking about how we as uh, social enterprise people can simplify our supply chains basically by being clear about what our values are which is the first step obviously and then embedding those values into the supply chain with transparency going along with that. Then I'm going to share some of my experiences with where does it come from, which um, are not always as easy as it sounds. So I'm going to share some of the stories of things that maybe didn't go quite as we were hoping. And then at the end, some suggestions of things that hopefully will help you on your journey. But of course, be free to get in touch with me if you'd like to. Uh, so starting off, talking about values. Well, basically, we all have values, don't we? Everyone has values. Some we might not think are values that we particularly approve of or like, but as social, en social entrepreneurs, we tend to have values uh, around making good and putting people and the planet and various aspects first. So if you think of all the different kinds of values that, that are in the world, you could be a vegan, could be fair trade, could be the thing that drives you, could be about shopping local or always buying plastic free. There's so many different kinds of values. I, I imagine if you brainstormed with your team there'll be a, a whole host of different things. But the thing is, it's not just us who have those values. Our customers have values, our employees have values, which is very important. And also the people benefiting from our work have values. But what's often forgotten is that our suppliers have values too. They're all people and they have values and their organizations have values. So this is about in your supply chain, aligning that so that you can have you can, all of the people involved, all of your stakeholders, we prefer to call them, have the same kind of values if you can. But how do you do that? How do you actually establish the whole way through the supply chain about whether those values are fitting in? Well, the key thing here is transparency. Uh, traditionally, um, going back, I don't know, 50, 60 years, supply chains have become more and more and more complex. Um, as you, I'm sure you all know, different parts of the supply chain happen in different places. Quite often you can have a garment uh, that is made, the original fibres come from um, the Far East and it can be shipped to America and be processed there. And different parts of the processing at each stage can happen in a different place. Um, so there's implications of carbon and all sorts of things going on all the way through the supply chain. So understanding exactly what is going on in your supply chain is very important and a lot of the big brands have challenges here because uh, they have legacy supply chains and actually finding out suppliers who are using other suppliers are using other suppliers it becomes very unclear also the traditional business model has been about looking at price only and not thinking about the wider implications so there's been a pressure to force the price down 
all the way through the supply chain. It's all been about cost saving and maximizing profit. But as we understand more and more, especially those of us who are um, social entrepreneurs, there are a lot of hidden costs. Uh, there's costs to the planet from shipping things all over the world, using harmful processes, using harmful um, materials. There's, there's harm to the farmers, the people working to create fibres. There's, there's harm that can be caused to all of the different workers within the supply chain and also future generations. So basically there's a lot of hidden costs that can happen in the supply chain if you're purely talking about price. Uh, and there's long-term costs for our planet too. I would also argue that there are costs to mental health because I think if you're, um, if there are harmful processes happening all the way through, there's going to be stresses and anxieties when you don't align with your values. When people are working in an area that is, is not comfortable for them, that has an impact on mental health. Um, we also believe that where does it come from that mental health of the customers can be affected. If you understand and know the impacts that have happened to bring a particular item to you, then you are more likely to connect with it that bit more. And I often talk about vegetables um, because people who grow their own vegetables can be really, really boring. And I'm one of them, so I'm not running anybody down here about our vegetables. So you say, oh, these carrots taste better than ones you can buy in the shop. And there's probably a little bit of psychological, we think they taste better, but actually quite often they do taste better. But some of it is that connection. You, you understand you planted that carrot or you know the person who did it and it actually seems to taste better. And we believe that if you know the whole story and you've seen details of how things are made and you know what's gone into it, that will actually improve your mental health as well. Um, and for anyone who happened to watch um, the True Cost movie a few years ago, there were psychologists talking along those lines in that, that understanding your products and its impacts can, can really help your mental health. So when you're putting together a supply chain, what do you actually need to look at in terms of values? How do you know that all the different elements in that supply chain are working towards your values? And there are a whole lot of different ways that you can, you can do that. I mean, the, usual one that people tend to work with is visiting, understanding by actually visiting the supply chain. Now obviously that's much harder if you have a disparate supply chain all over the world. So simplifying that supply chain and building relationships with your suppliers directly and then being able to visit them, obviously we can't at the moment because of coronavirus, then you, you can build up those relationships, which is where you get to, to have a much more stakeholder relationship with those people because you're then more likely to go back to them in future and you're not going to be trying to push down everybody on price because you actually know the people involved. Another key area is um, accreditations. So if you understand the different accreditations, you can uh, work out, you know, something might be uh, organic certified or whatever, but the most important thing is understanding what the values are, which those accreditations will, will help you see. So where does it come from? We set up in 2013, so we've been going for quite a while now, and our core values were transparency, obviously, so we put a code on every single product label, and that was so that the customer could key the code in uh, to our website, and then that unlocks the whole story. They get to see pictures of the fields where the cotton was growing, get to see the 
people's faces, hear their names, all the way through that supply chain. And that was all about um, clarity, but also that mental health link as well. Um, what we have always done is partner with social enterprises in the, in the countries that we're working in. So we've worked a lot in India, we've worked some in Africa, and now we're launching, uh, we're working with a social enterprise up in Middlesbrough that um, helps uh, provide livelihoods for um, ex-addicts and, ex and vulnerable communities up there. Uh, so social enterprise and benefiting our workforce is a key area. And also the environmental um, impacts are really important to us as well. So we focus very much on using environmental friend, environmentally friendly materials such as rain fed cotton organic cotton um, we've been looking quite a lot at bamboo lately and tensile and some of those things coming out so always trying to have the um, best impact on materials we started off as a retail brand and now we've moved much more b2b business to business and the reason for that really is that um, there are a lot of upcoming ethical clothing brands doing amazing things. Uh, so we're happy to let them do that. We'll carry on doing what we do. But working with businesses means that we can start um, getting some of those businesses who do want to migrate their supply chains into working with us on things like bags, on corporate clothing and all that sort of thing. So that's what we're doing. We've built relationships with our supply chains uh, through social enterprise partners and that is growing all the time. We have done visits in the past and we've partnered with charities who can do due diligence on our behalf too. So that works really well. The main ethos is about solving problems together. And this is not always easy, so I'm going to just share some interesting examples. Um, we did a project for New Internationalist magazine a few years back, a couple of years back, for some organic cotton shirts. And we were working with a social enterprise partner in India that we worked with quite a few times. And um, as we share the information, as production's going on, they were share, showing us videos showing us um, photographs of the production and I was looking through the photographs of um, the tailoring and they, the new internationalists had ordered white shirts and dark blue shirts but the shirts that were actually being sewn were pale blue and so I was like, oh goodness what's happened here so I contacted the, um, the supply the, my, the part of the supply chain and said these are supposed to be dark blue so they were like, oh, oh, that's a shame. Oh, we've used the wrong colour. Could you just get in touch with the customer and see whether they're happy with the light blue rather than the dark blue? Like, no, that's not something we can do. So unfortunately, we had to learn from that together and talk, we involved the customer as well. And what can we actually do about that? So we had to um, get them to re-dye the fabric and remake the shirts. And uh, then we ended up with a lot of light blue shirts, which we uh, we worked out a, a good way of selling those as well. So it wasn't it wasn't a, too much of a problem, but it was it was the expectations and the quality control and being very clear about the specification and checking all the way through to make sure that um, that the right things were being done. Uh, but unfortunately, you know these things do happen, so you have to really be on it. And sometimes expectations of what you can go back to a customer with need to be dealt with as well. So that was that was an interesting one. Um, and another one which was much more, that was more about educating the, the people in the supply chain. One uh, recent one was about educating the customer about what goes on in the supply chain. So we were working with uh, a major um, international software brand for on some scarves and um, they, they wanted them 
for an event of a particular day. So they were quite anxious that they got there on time, but there were some issues regarding um, production and it was, all, it was all fine in the end, don't worry. But uh, they ended up sending me a message which was saying, you have to get these done by this time or else we're not going to pay you. Um, which was obviously quite anxiety making. My heart was beating quite hard at that point. Um, but we talked about it within the team and then I pushed it back and I said, do you understand that if you don't pay, all of the materials that have been used have been paid for by the social enterprise. The people's wages need to be paid. This has taken however many um, weeks to produce that they, they've been paid for that. How do you feel about those people not being paid because you're using your payment as a weapon as a tool to do that so of course they immediately once that was put to them that this is actually people this is actually impacting people making that kind of a decision they completely changed their behavior and we worked on it much more closely together to get the solution that we wanted so i think that education isn't just about the supply chain either it's it's about customers too changing what they do and i'm sure isha will talk a lot about that in a little while as well and that brings me on to um, this last year, really, with the uh, coronavirus, the issue on end suppliers has been really challenging. And I'm sure many of you heard about the pay up campaign that's been happening because a lot of brands who ordered things from their supply chains um, didn't pay because they thought, well, I can't sell them. So I'm not going to pay for them. And of course, that had devastating effects on the workers um, who are living pretty much hand to mouth and relying on their pay packets and the, the factories owning it. So that impact on people is something really important um, to, to look at. So moving on swiftly, I'm going to talk about how you can apply your ethics and um, processes into your supply chain, your materials. So it's basically going through, stepping through the whole of the supply chain. I'm sure you all know all sorts of things about your supply chains, but looking at things all the way from your original materials. So that could be a plastic based material, which is in the news last week. Apparently 50% of new clothing is all made of virgin plastic. So that was one thing. We tend to focus a lot more on um, using natural fibers wherever we can, because that has a much more positive impact on farmers and the planet as well. But looking at those fibers and, and trying to work out what the impact of what they are, this is for fashion, but obviously it's equally relevant for um, all sorts of different products. And then stepping through from taking the original fiber and you want to be um, spinning that into some kind of yarn. So we use that, we use a hand weave process, which is low water and low carbon. And then you would weave or knit that into a cloth um, and then you would um, turn that tailor that into your item so it's, it's basically every what i mean every single stage so trying to compress the supply chain to to use people who are geographically close together trying to um, have things done in more in one or very few um, different uh, organizations because that helps with with work workers as well so rather than just doing piecemeal bits of work they're actually producing a whole um, item which really helps and another key one is what chemicals are being added into the um, process how much water is being added where how is it being powered how are factories being powered is it solar power is it hand power you know there's all sorts of different aspects that you can be looking from all the way through from the farming to delivery with you just mapping that out and stepping through and seeing 
the different impacts uh, that are coming out, power going in, impacts coming out, and as, as well as that, impacts on the workers as well. Now that all sounds quite complicated. It's not really. If you want to know about um, added chemicals, by the way, we have a Where Does It Come From podcast and we have an episode on that. So please feel free to go and listen in. It's a bit of an eye opener. So looking at impacts, you'll probably hear a lot, and many of you I know work in this area, impact assessment. So how do you know if your supply chain is doing all the good that you think it is? So it's really important that we measure and understand our impact. Now this can start pretty simply, so you can come up with just a, a small number of areas to measure to start off with, and that might be, you know, what's my carbon footprint? For, um, for freight or what, how many people were employed, their livelihoods were affected by working on this particular item. So it's about being honest and transparent about this. If you're using organic cotton rather than a more standard based cotton, what are the benefits? You know, how, how is that impacting? Are you using less water? Are you using less chemicals? And then how does that benefit the farms as well, their, their livelihoods? If you're using a solar pad factory or a hand pad factory, how does that compare with carbon based fuel? So running an impact assessment is obviously a, a big thing. And there's a lot of people who can help you with that, a lot of organisations who can help you with that. But really, you have to be clear about the benefit that you're trying to have. Um, and then you can communicate that effectively with your customers and your, all of your stakeholders, in fact, to, to know that you're doing the good that you think you are. So um, yeah, that's that's impact assessment. Uh, and then finally, once you've got a product, um, once you've got something out there, what happens to it when at the end of its life? Because it's not all over once you've shipped it out and, and sent it out to your customers or to your staff if it's um, clo corporate clothing or something. What about the end of its life as well? So what happens to it? What do customers do it do with it? And what will that impact have on the planet? So if you're working with um, plastic based uh, clothing will it put out microfibers when it's washed um, if you you're generating technology how are you going to end that at the end of its life if you've got chemicals hazardous chemicals in things like dyes how will, will they leach out into the water and are your items biodegradable how do you dispose of them how do you package them so it's all sorts of different items there and we are understanding so much more about this now in my area, obviously clothing and textiles. Uh, last year, I think it was 330,000 tonnes of clothing and textiles in the UK were burned or put into landfill. So it's a really big area how, how we can move things along at the end of the life. It's about keeping things in circulation for longer and then how they get a, how, how we deal with it at the end of their life. Sorry, I'm getting a bit frog throat. I'll have to uh, have a bit of water. So finally, this might all seem a bit overwhelming. It might seem that there's too much to think about here. What can you take, what can I give you to take away to make it um, a bit more easy to go away with this from this? So the first thing really is, I would say you need to clarify what values are important to you as a person and to you as an organization. And that makes things so much more simple. And what I do when I'm working with clients on this is talk about the um, UN Sustainable Development Goals here, because it's a lovely way of mapping things out easily. And if something's important to you, like um, 
number 12, uh, responsible consumption, you'll find that a lot of the other goals line up behind that. So responsible consumption will let, then fit into equality, um, poverty and all sorts of different areas uh, and caring for the planet and everything. So using the, the UN goals is a really good way of clarifying what your values are. Secondly, I would say um, try and view your supply chain everyone in your supply chain as stakeholders and think of them as people. If you're considering their needs, then it's going to be, and their values, then it's going to be much um, simpler for you to work with them uh, in embedding those values into that chain. And also one thing to bear in mind is you can learn from the different parts of your supply chain. A lot of organizations push uh, work out of supply chains, people in the supply chain without actually thinking what they can learn back because these are experienced people, these are experienced organisations. They can say, oh, maybe you don't want to put that fabric with that fabric or that thing with that thing. It won't work so well. So I would say, yes, your supply chain should be stakeholders. And finally, be clear and transparent about your impact journey. So if you need to change out packaging or um, don't store your old stock like we, we know some brands do, be clear and transparent. And even if it's not perfect, People like to see that you're making a journey. Your customers want to see that you're, you're making a journey and you're thinking about their values along the way too. Anyway, that was all I was going to say. I hope that's um, of interest. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Joe. That was Joe Salter, founder of award-winning ethical brand, Where Does It Come From? In the next episode, we'll hear again from Jo as she answers questions from the audience at the end of our discussion. But we'll start with Isha co-founder of Supply Change, who will tell us how social entrepreneurs can be part of an ethical supply chain. In the meantime, you can take a look at the Pioneers Post website, where you can explore the Wise 100 collection, which brings together everything we've published so far. That's on pioneerspost.com slash wise100. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the Pioneers Post channel, wherever you get your podcasts from. See you next time.